welcome to the Daily Reprieve, where we provide essays, speaker meetings, workshops, and conferences in podcast format. We are an ad-free podcast. If you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and drop a dollar or two into the virtual basket. Please consider donating monthly by clicking the Donate Monthly button. However, one-time donations are always welcome. Just click the Donate Now button. Now, without further ado, this episode of The Daily Reprieve. Alright, so step step three. Um, that begins on page 60 of the big book. And um, I think... I think a real important aspect of this step uh, is is this is where um, every every day I should experience the joy of living um, surrendered to God as much as humanly you know as much as I can um, and and in the third step. You know, every 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 day on this program, I should, you know, you should have, if you're working the program, you know, you should have joy and relief and a sense of um, one oneness and harmony with God and start to get that with, you know, my fellow brothers and sisters. Um, and the third step to me is, is really when... It, of course, it's prequeled with the two before it, and um, and they're in order for a reason. But um, to where this really this harmony really begins to, to really happen. Um, and in the third step, every every morning when I say it and have for the past eight years of my life, that's a contract that I'm making with my God. That today, God, I'm going to be your man. And my thoughts and my actions today, I'm placing them in your hands. And um, definitely had many experiences where 15 minutes later I'm pissed at the blue-haired lady in front of me that's driving too slow in the fast lane or what have you. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a, it's the, so much of it is the, to me, the conscious act of the will to surrender and just that conscious turning of the will to God is has been so effective in my life, and um, I'm a dead man if I ever stop doing that. Uh, if I ever have a day, you know, and I, earlier me and Robert were talking, and I, and I thought of this, you know, I love the analogy of thinking, you know, I take a shower every day. Because I want to, you know, I don't want to stink. I want to be fresh, and you know, got a proper hygiene and all that, right? Put on my deodorant, shave, all that stuff, and uh, I do it every day, right? And if I went a a week, God forbid, a week without taking a shower, then people would probably not be coming around me, right? I mean, they would probably keep their distance, probably after a couple of days. Um, so therefore, it really is the same thing with this. I let a day go by of not doing my of not doing my practice of the program, 
God forbid, two, three days, and then a week. Shit, shit, forget about it. I'm not in good shape and would not be fit to be around, and uh, I wouldn't want to be around me. So, I'll offer that to you, a little analogy there. Um, and I'm going to do this reading here and do it in first person, starting on the bottom of page 60, where it says, Being convinced we were at step three. It's a real powerful exercise right here. Um, and can be quite effective. And I'll try to add as many of my own little anecdotes as I go along in the time allotted to make it effective as possible. And now I have six minutes, but I may go over. So, <laughs> so being convinced, we were at step three, which is that we decided to turn our will and our life over to God as we understood Him. Therefore, so just what do we mean by that and just what do we do? And they map it right out. Um, first requirement is that I be convinced that any life, any part of my life, run on self-will can hardly be a success. And this is, this is what I do, this is, and I'm going to do it with you. So, so is that a truth for me? Looking at my life, any part of my life run on self-will, is it ever really a success in the long run? And be real honest with myself. Maybe for a period of time I get what I want, but I'll continue on here and see what happens. On that basis, I'm usually in collision with something or somebody, even though my motives are good. So even my best intentions run on self-will, do not end up well. I, am, I try to live by self-propulsion. And another image I like to see, and I've heard it um, from, from some other folks, is uh, you know, living by self-propulsion, let's say, fear or self-will. You know, I get a tank, you know, like, uh, hell, uh, that guy that, that flies around with a rocket on his back. Um, the Rocketeer, whatever he was. So, you know, I get a tank of self-will and strap it on my back and fire that sucker up and I'm driven around by self-will all day. Going where it wills me to go and just running around, hitting into people and running into walls and just a freaking mess. That's what my life looks like on self-will, self-propulsion. I'm like an actor who wants to run the whole show forever trying to arrange the blah, 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 the rest of, you know, my own way. Um, and this is the delusion that if, you know, I, I in the morning, this is, this is Adam on self-will. I have a script for Robert and everybody else and everybody else in my life that I have in mind. I just, you know, happen to forget to give it to them. I'm the one to have this script in mind, and then they don't follow it. So what's their problem, right? So, but if they would only follow my plans, then the show would would come off great, and I would be pleased. That's the delusion that I tell myself, or that I believe, right? If I get what I want, I'm happy. If I feel good, if, if you know, as you're saying, you know, that that's a complete lie. Um, life would be wonderful. And trying to make these arrangements, sometimes I may be quite virtuous. I may be kind, considerate, patient, generous, even modest and self-sacrificing. Now that to me, that's the way I can see self-will uh, in sobriety since I've gotten sober. little litmus test to see if Adam's running around on self-will. Uh, if I'm trying to get what I want, I can see, you know, I'm trying to be real considerate, patient and generous and what have you. Uh, before getting sober, 
not that I'm, I'm not like this now, but it was really glaring. I didn't give a crap. I was mean, egotistical, selfish, and dishonest. You know, it was very glaring. So it's kind of like it kind of puts up this nice little facade of being kind, patient, and generous when being run around by self-will. But behind it is the selfishness and the dishonesty. Um, okay, let's see here. What usually happens? The show does not come off very well. Surprise. He, he begins, I begin to think that life does not treat me right. Therefore, I get pissed and I exert myself more either being selfish or dishonest, or just being run around by more self-will, basically. Um, admitting that I may be somewhat at fault, I'm sure that more other people, other people are more to blame. I become angry, indignant, how dare you, and self-pitying. What is my basic trouble? Am I not really a self-seeker even when trying to be kind? Am I not a victim of the delusion... As I were, that he that I could wrest satisfaction and happiness out of this world only if I manage well. Am I not even in my best moments a producer of confusion rather than harmony? So that's me on self-will there. I'm self-centered, egocentric. And then it goes, flip the page here. On page 62, second paragraph. Selfishness, self-centeredness, that is the root of my troubles. Driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, I step on the toes of my fellows and they re- retaliate. Hence, resentment. And, and it's interesting how the literature eases me into this. First, you know, I come into the program, I'm all screwed up, and I'm thinking that, that the substances, alcohol, and sex is the root of my problems, right? And uh, here it smashes that and says, no, selfishness, self-centeredness, self-concern, self-love, exclamation point, is the root of my troubles. Self-will. My troubles are of my own making. And the crazy thing about this is that... um, running around like this, I, I, I don't think that I'm uh, in self-will. The sexaholic is an extreme example of self-will run riot. Strong word. Picture a riot in the streets, what have you. But I, but I don't think that I am. It's crazy, right? Above everything, I must be rid of this selfishness. We must, or it kills us. God makes that possible. I must think that's pretty important. Above everything, I must be rid of this selfishness. And God makes that possible. So therefore, here I am up against this, and I'm really getting a full picture of, of my condition. And if, if I'm not convinced at this point that I really need to surrender and give my life to a power greater than myself, then I'm in some real trouble. Um, I can't do it on my own. I have to have God's help, as it tells me here. It says, first of all, I have to quit playing God. And from here on, I'm going to decide that God is going to be my director. He is my principal. He is my father. And those, those, those... Um, those things are in complete contradiction to my idea of higher powers that I got, maybe as a kid or what have you, from dad or whatever. God is my father. He's 
loving, completely, completely interested in my well-being with unconditional love. This is the keystone of the new and triumphant arc through which I pass the pass to freedom. And right here, it tells me that if I do this, if I take this third step, I become less and less interested in myself, myself, my little plans and designs. I become more interested in seeing what I can contribute to life. As new power flows in, I enjoy peace of mind. I can face life successfully, become conscious of God's presence, and I begin to lose the fear of today, tomorrow, the hereafter. I'm reborn. Um, And that's such powerful stuff to me, and it speaks to me just as much now as it did when when first getting sober, and it has to. I mean, it's my very life depends on this stuff. And and so, and the most important thing is taking this with, this with as much understanding of what I'm about to do as I can and then realizing that it's only effective if I carry out the rest of the steps. That's really where the surrender comes in. The surrender is in the action of saying this step, lining myself up with God to the very best that I can with the proper use of willpower. That was my problem. Right? I needed the proper use of power in my life. And uh, this is this is where where we begin to really do that. Um, it's really hard to keep this uh, confined to our, our times. Um, I guess that's all we'll say about that. I think you want to you want to maybe say the prayer when you're done with your your talk. You say it. Sure. Yeah. That'd be great. That'd be a good idea. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. I used to have favorite steps, and uh, you know, like one, and three, and eleven, and uh, and that was before I worked them all. And since working the steps, you know, my favorite step is the one that's saving my butt, and I need all of them. We need all of them. You know, the truth is, we're addicts. We're sex addicts. And we're not going to work one more freaking step than the absolute minimum necessary to stay sober. If we'd stay sober on 11, there'd only be 11. If we'd stay sober on 7, there'd only be 7. There's 12 of them. Step 3. Step 3 for me today is real simple. It's one of the willingness steps. There's three steps about willingness. Three, six, and eight. And let me think. See, three out of the twelve, twenty-five percent, twenty-five percent of this program is about willingness. What is willingness? Well, for me, it's real simple. I will or I won't. I will do it his way, or I won't. And if I knowingly will not do what I know to be God's will for me. Do them on me. And it's not punishment. It's consequence. Kind of like gravity. <laughs> it, uh, it's just the way the universe works. You know, we can do it His way. His way equals no pain. My way, pain. Let me think. I'll do it my way. Thanks. <laughs> I don't know why. 
Step three is in three parts. First, we make a decision. I will or I won't. Second, we try to determine what constitutes our will in our life. And third, we seek an understanding of God by placing our will in our life in His care. I used to think, I had a problem with step three. I mean, I've had a couple of epiphanies with step three. But, you know, for way too long, you know, I thought, that's going to turn, turn my life over to God. God doesn't want my life. God wants me to do something with the life that He gave me. I mean, He gave me two things. He gave me life. And He also gave me free will. I can choose not to do His will. It's up to me. But the one thing that God gave me besides life itself was the ability to choose. You know, there's nobody in here saying, you have to do this. Okay. It's like, Sometimes my attic would like to be in that position, and he was for a long time, and he doesn't like being displaced. But you know, uh, today there's a different CEO in charge. Uh, and what is my will? And what is my life? And my will is what I think. You know, if I asked you to tell me what your life was like. You wouldn't be telling me all the stuff you've been thinking. You'd say, oh, well, I've been over here, and I did this, and then I went over here, and I did that, and I ate this, and you know, I met this person, and then we did this, and we skied and jumped out of planes. And, you know, it's like all the stuff that we did, the actions that we took. Our will is what we think. Our life is the actions that we take. So when I turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand Him, I turn my thoughts and my actions over to the God of my understanding. And the only place I ever found God in any real or meaningful way is in the steps of this program. That Bill Wilson writes in Alcoholics Anonymous Comes of Age that the God that shows up in our life as the result of working these steps is experiential, not theoretical. You know, it's, it happens. You get through, um, you work each and every one of these steps to the best of your ability, and on the backside of 12, you can turn around and look at the transformation that has happened in your life between the time you started and the time you finished this spiritual exercise, and God will have showed up in your life in a very real and meaningful way. And that's what your spiritual experience is, and your life will be better for it. That's how it works. Step three is recognizing and step three is every day. You know, it's not like I went step three in nineteen eighty seven, you know. It's like step three is today. What's my will? What's his will for me? And if I find myself thinking thoughts that the God of my understanding would not have me be thinking, I need to change my thinking. I used to think I'd get away with shit. I used to think, you know, I steal. I, I, I used to think that not getting caught is the same as being innocent. <laughs> and today, I realize that I can't even get away with the thought. You know, if I indulge a trigger, hell, I go through a couple of days of withdrawal. And what it is, is, you know, uh, my relationship with my wife is off, my relationship with the universe is off. It's like, 
I've been knocked out. You know, when I got sober in Alcoholics Anonymous, it was like somebody turned this giant spotlight on spirituality. And when I got sexually sober, it's a laser. And I never want to lose that beam. I never want to lose that, that connection that I have because it is the source of strength and peace and serenity and courage and wisdom and patience and I mean I don't want to get off the beam now it cost me cost me dearly it cost me the most important thing in my life which is feeling good you know feeling good I'm dying you know I'm sex I'm like a maniac I'm trashing all the relationships in my life you know and I'm having a hell of a porno porno life you know and I'm dying now I will or I won't we're going to give kind of short shrift to step three there's only two things you need to know about God one he exists two you ain't him Uh, I tell stories and a little note I have to myself I used to pride myself on telling people I was a self-made man my sponsor pointed out that I had used unskilled labor (laughs) (laughs) my sponsor Mike, the guy that took me through the steps, was uh, born and raised in San Francisco. I was living in Davis, California, which is about uh, closer to Sacramento, about an hour and a half from San Francisco. San Francisco is a great city. Anybody been to San Francisco? Got a great program there, too. Great party town. And, uh, and Mike said, you know, I was born and raised in San Francisco, and they got great AA there. In fact, there's a place down on Powell Street that rocks like 24/7. You know, great club, and, uh, and it's got this coffee bar in there, and blah blah blah. And uh, he said, "If I were to ask you if you wanted to go drive to San Francisco with me, would you come?" Hell yeah! You know, my sponsor. Who's going to get in trouble with his sponsor, right? And uh, and he goes, you know, you got a that nice Audi in the in my driveway, and uh, that's what I was driving at the time. At the time, and he goes, and I got my truck, you know. But for cruising, you know, the Audi is really the way to go, and you got that great sound system in there. And uh, and can we take your Audi? No problem. You know, we're gonna be styling. And uh, and he says, okay. And uh, would you let me drive? Uh-huh. You know. Uh, because I haven't had a ticket since I got sober low these many years ago. I haven't crashed. Uh, and, you know, I've got a real good driving record. And, uh, and I know the back ways. And there's some really great places to stop, some nice scenic overlooks, you know, where you can overlook Sassoon Harbor and some other places. And some good places to stop for some food and snacks and on, on the way there. Yeah, okay. And you can drive. And he says, okay, now, uh, we're about an hour into it, and we're out uh, around uh, Vallejo. Whose car is it? 
my car. <laughs> and he said, you didn't give me your car, did you? I said, no. He said, you only turned it over to me. And the reason that we turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understand them, because at least if we give it to Him, it won't be in the hands of an idiot. <laughs> and if God gets driving real crazy, you can it's your car, you can always kick him out of the driver's seat, leave him on the side of the road. But the reason we turn our will and our lives over to the care of God is because He knows all the great places all the fun things to do. And if we go with Him, ain't never going to get in trouble. How many people have seen the movie uh, Karate Kid? Karate Kid? Uh, quick recap. New Jersey high schooler ends up in L.A. and uh, goes for the surfer girl. She's got a boyfriend. Guys, you know, are a karate Practitioner, and uh, he started getting his ass kicked on a regular basis. I mean, he's you know hitting on the wrong girl, and uh, and during a Halloween party, he sees his arch nemesis in the stall next to him in the bathroom rolling numbers, and uh, he decides to have some fun, dumps some water on, him, you know, kills the dope, and uh, and karate guy gets really pissed off, and the uh, New Jersey kid starts you know streaking for home. And he cutting across this park and he gets to you know chain link fence and he's going up the fence, but the karate guy and all of his karate buddies catch him at the fence and start wailing the shit out of him, you know. And uh, just as he's losing consciousness, he sees what he thinks is the gardener at this apartment complex that he lives in, uh, this old Mr. Miyagi, this Korean guy, you know, just whomping on these karate guys and just putting them down. So next morning he wakes up in bed, you know, and as he comes to him and he thinks. Damn, that really, yes, that really happened, you know. He got the snot kicked out of him. And so he goes and looks for the gardener. He said, you know, did you save my butt last night? Mr. Miyagi goes, yeah. And he said, how'd you do that? And he goes, karate. And he goes, wow, you know karate. Where'd you learn karate? In Korea. And he says, well, you got to teach me. No, I ain't got to teach you. And uh, Mr. Miyagi, you got to teach me. And he goes, no, I'm not going to teach you. Karate's not for fighting. It's, you know, to not fight. And he goes, you don't understand. These guys are going to kill me. Now that you've whooped them, you know, they've got it in for me. And they're going to kill me. You need to teach me how to defend myself, how to take care of myself so that I can live. Mr. Miyagi goes, no, I ain't going to do it. The kid goes, I'll go to any length. Really? (laughs) (laughs) Any length? (laughs) Yeah, I'll do anything. You know, good. Come over to my house, you know, next weekend. And so the kid goes over to Miyagi's house on the weekend, and he says, uh, "Okay, I want you to paint this fence." And he's got this big, you know, six-foot-tall wooden fence all the way around the house, and there's fat boards and skinny boards. He goes, "You know, paint, paint the fat boards only with the downstroke, the skinny boards only with an upstroke." Kid figures, "Okay, you know, I'll paint the fence, and that's cheap, you know, comparison to what I'm going to learn." So he paints the fence, you know, and he says, "Hey, Mr. Miyagi, I'm done," you know. And he goes, "Oh yeah, both sides." <laughs> Some nice guy paints the inside as the weekend goes. And next weekend, you know, he shows up at Miyagi's house, and Miyagi says, uh, "Okay, now you got to wash the cars." And he's got all these old cars, and, you know, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. Kids pissed, you know, all he's doing is working, you know, Mr. Miyagi ain't teaching him jack and he's working me like a borrowed mule and, you know, he's taking advantage of my desperation and 
um, but I guess I'll do it. And so next week he comes back and Miyagi goes, okay, now I want you to sand the deck. And he's got this, you know, acres of wooden deck and he's got these tambourines with sandpaper on it. And, 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 and Miyagi decides to go fishing, you know. And he takes off and he comes back late, you know, at night, like nine o'clock, the kids are pissed. He's had it. You know, it's like, yeah, I, you know, you're a frog. You said that you were going to teach me karate and you ain't taught me crap. And, uh, and I've had it with you. And old Miyagi's had a couple, you know, and he's kind of half lit. And, goes, <laughs> and uh, so he starts throwing these punches at this kid, you know, and kicks, karate kicks, you know. Only he's kind of drunk and he's, and he's not connected. And, and this kid's blocking all these punches and stuff. And all of a sudden he realizes that he has all these karate moves down from wax on, wax off, and everything. And he's successfully countering all of these karate attacks that this old man is throwing at him. And it dawns on him that the whole time that he thought he was, you know, painting and sand and waxing and shit, he was really learning. And step three is really about sanding the deck. Step three is about doing it his way. And you don't got to understand it. And we don't have to like it. We just got to do it. And in doing it, we will find that at some point we will be acting in situations that used to baffle us. We will find that we are acting in ways that we never knew we had it in us and that the whole time we have been conditioned and prepared. And that's what turning your will in your life, that's the benefit of turning our will in our life over to the care of God as we understand them that all of a sudden it comes down to making sense. But you won't see it until it comes. Driving to San Francisco, San Deck. Uh, there is one who has all power. May you find him now. We come to know God from living the 12 steps. You know, that's how we come to find God. Take the actions of the steps. Bill Wilson writes in Alcoholics Anonymous Comes of Age, we act as if it were true and see whether it works. If it doesn't, we discard it. And if it does, we're free to call it a success. If you will turn to the last page of step three in the 12 and 12, I believe it's page 42 maybe. 41, thank you. And the paragraph says, it is when we try to make our will conform to God's that we begin to use it rightly. I'm sorry, 40. 40. Everybody got that? It is when we try to make our will conform with God's that we begin to use it rightly. To all of us, this was a most wonderful revelation. Our whole trouble had been the misuse of willpower. We had tried to bombard our problems with it instead of attempting to bring it into agreement with God's intention for us. To make this increasingly possible is the purpose of AA's 12 steps. And step three opens the door. So what this says to me is that it is when we try to make our will conform to God's will, make my will conform to God's will, that we begin to use it rightly. To all of us, this was a most wonderful revelation. Our whole trouble had been the misuse of willpower. 
we had tried to bombard our problems with it instead of attempting to bring it, my will, into alignment with God's will for me. To make that increasingly possible is the purpose of AA's 12 steps. And step three opens the door. Step three simply assumes there is a God to understand that each of us have our own understanding. And we'll close with this. And that is, it's going to become real important as we work through the steps. In the later steps, we're going to get up to step 11. And it's going to talk about prayer meditation. And it's going to talk about prayers that we've memorized. And my sponsor, you know, he asked me that question, that damn question. Are you willing to go to any length? It's like, you need to memorize the third step prayer. Why? It's none of your business. <laughs> but, you know, I've been screwing around with this program for like 12 years, you know, in and out of meetings. You know, five years in relapse, three years, one year, another three years. And, you know, there was never an instance where I was in a situation and I thought, oh, this is a perfect chance to apply the third step prayer. I think I'll go look it up and read it. But once I had that prayer memorized, I mean, that prayer was right there for me. I can't tell you how many times a day. And if you want, want to follow along in the big book, on page 63 in that second paragraph it says and we might all say it together God I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as thou wilt remove me of myself that I may better do thy will take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those I would help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Now, my understanding, and I could be wrong here, but my understanding is that the words are not the prayer. It's the feeling that is the prayer. But when I say that prayer like I mean it, then I kind of got this attitude that, you know, it's like, God, I offer myself to thee. Why? Because you'll do a better job than I've been doing. <clears throat> you know, I offer myself to thee to build with me and to do with me as you will. Relieve me of the bondage of self, self-will, that I may better do thy will. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness. Now, the prayer here says... To those I would help with thy power. When I got done memorizing verbatim this prayer, my sponsor said, Okay, now I want you to rewrite the prayer and make it yours. You know, I don't care what you change, but maybe you'll leave it the same. But I want you to make that prayer somehow yours. And for me, it looks like this. Good to see you. Glad you could make it. Uh, 
Take away my difficulties that victory over them may bear witness to those not that I would serve because if I get to choose it's going to be a short list <laughs> to those you would have me serve. Of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. And see, when I say it like that that means it's not those that I would choose it's the ones that he chooses and whoever it is that chooses is whoever has me on the phone who's ever faced him in front of whether that's at the gas pump the grocery line wherever you know I'm there to be of service in some way and uh, when I say that like I mean it now I have the attitude where I can turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understand and that gets me through a day I would like to thank you for listening to this episode of the Daily Reprieve the best source for experience, strength and hope for SA members please subscribe to this podcast to be alerted of new episodes Please show your support by donating to The Daily Reprieve by going to donate.thedailyreprieve.com and choosing either monthly donations or a one-time donation by clicking Donate Now. Thank you for listening and stay tuned for the next episode of The Daily Reprieve.